Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome back to New Books in Political Science. Uh, today, we'll be talking to um, the author of Making Democracy Fun, How Game Design Can Empower Citizens and Transform Politics, published this year by MIT Press. The author is Josh Lerner. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it's a real pleasure to have you on. Uh, such an interesting book. Um, and your background is also interesting. You, you have a in some ways, a very typical academic background, but you work as a as a practitioner of sorts uh, now. Would you tell us a little bit about your background and and uh, where you are now? Sure. So I'm I'm based in New York, and I guess I'm currently a recovering academic. So I, I did finish a PhD in political science a few years ago at the New School for Social Research, but I'm not working in academia now. I'm, I'm the executive director of a nonprofit organization called the Participatory Budgeting Project, and we're based here in New York. We work across the U.S. and Canada to empower people to decide together how to spend part of a public budget. So we've adapted a process that originated in, in Brazil, and um, basically bring people out to community meetings to brainstorm ideas for how they'd like to spend public money in their neighborhood. They turn those ideas into projects, they vote on them, and the top projects get funded. So we're doing this across the U.S. And that's definitely um, related to my book, but the, the book is also different, and it draws in some of my research um, outside of participatory budgeting. And basically looking at, at how we can use the tools of game design to fix democracy and to fix public engagements. Yeah, and I happen to live in a part of uh, the city that, that is, uh, has done some of this uh, work. Um, and it's just fascinating. fascinating to see all the different parts of the community come out. And, and something that, um, you know, if you describe to someone, they'd say, well, three people are going to come out. But they, they absolutely fill rooms. You fill rooms with people so eager to, to weigh in on, on how public money um, is, is to be spent. And so I really can attest to how successful some of these, um, these experiments have been. So let's, let's get to the book. Um, you know, scholars and practitioners worry a lot about public participation. Um, and have worried about it for a while. I wonder what is most troubling to you about public participation in the U.S.? Is there, is there an indicator or some current situation that, that troubles you most? Um, uh, probably the biggest issue for me is the disconnect between public participation and actual political decision-making. So uh, how do we engage people, not just in coming out to meetings or in expressing their views, but in governing and in actually making democratic decisions? And to me, that's one of the great unrealized promises of democracy is, is having that much deeper government of the people by the people, which we point to often in the New England town meetings and these small experiences, but we haven't really figured out ways to scale that up and to update it for the uh, current context. So I think that's really what I, what I try to address is how can we engage people in meaningful ways where residents, citizens feel like they have a genuine say and where it's actually contributing to government. So your game is, is uh, so your book is about games, not your game is about books. Your book is about, is about games. 
Um, I wonder if you could describe, because you just does such a good job in the book of, of explaining this, but what are some of the important elements of a good game, and, and, and how does a game then become useful for democracy based on these characteristics? Sure, and, and first of all, I think just since we're in a political science context, that I'm, I'm not talking about games in the way that most political scientists do. So I'm not talking about game theory, um, which is uh, certainly interesting. There's a lot that we can draw on from that. But I'm looking at actual games that people play, and even more so game design. So professional game designers who design video games, board games, sports, um, actual experiences that people engage in in real life as opposed to methodological uh, models of decision-making. And what originally impressed me with game design and with, with games is really just how much, how much critical thought goes into designing engaging experiences and engaging decision-making, because games are, are really all about decision-making. You're constantly deciding what to do in a game. And I have some, some good friends who are game designers and you know, was learning more and more about all the different methods and techniques that they've used to engage people in games and really not seeing a lot of that happening in in political science, in community engagement, in public participation. So that was the big question for me is why can't we learn from games and figure out, you know, better ways to engage people based on those experiences that have been so successful for game designers. So you did a lot of traveling for this book, or at least it appears as, as so. Uh, I wonder if you could tell a little bit about where you've been and, and about a couple of those unique games that you've witnessed that, that inspired the book. Sure. So yeah, as I mentioned, one inspiration for the book is game design, and that's um, a lot of the work for the book was doing a deep dive into the field of game design. The other big inspiration was some programs in Latin America that I observed and done research on over the years, really innovative public engagement programs where people actually enjoy participating. It's not just a civic chore where they feel like they're supposed to come out or something that that um, you know government has to has to really work hard to get them to to engage in meaningfully. But instead, dynamic programs where people are laughing, they're lingering, they're having a good time. And so I've, I've been to a lot of meetings like that in Latin America and, and just ask myself, why? You know, why is it that people are enjoying these meetings? Whereas if you go to a typical zoning hearing or political meeting in, in the U.S., it's, it's not so fun. And so I did run a year of research in uh, Argentina, in the city of Rosario. I also did some research in Canada and Toronto and some broader research throughout Latin America. But those are the two places I focused on the most were Rosario, Argentina, and Toronto in Canada. And for Argentina, I've done some work in Rosario before, but uh, the city of Rosario, it's, it's a city of around a million people, um, strong social movements, progressive municipalities, similar in many ways to Puerto Alegre, which has been studied more. And Rosario, to me, has done the most work at integrating games and play and game design into city governments. They actually have a municipal day of, of playing games where everyone throughout the city who works in state agencies is supposed to go out and, and play in their neighborhoods and their offices. Uh, but they've also done some fantastic programs that I looked at which use games, but also more importantly for me, they, they redesign public participation and redesign democracy like a game so that it works better. So... I the, and, and I think many of us have heard about some of these, these games, particularly related to, to budgeting in, in Brazil. Um, I wonder, what is the first response that you get when you suggest 
applying these games outside of Latin America. Um, what is the level of skepticism you face when you apply this to, you know, let's say New York City? Is there are there built-in biases to the the, the anecdotes and stories that you tell? What, what's the response that you've gotten? That's a great question because when I'm in Latin America and I tell people about my my work and about how I'm studying how cities are using games and game design and game-like processes to engage people, the typical response I get is, oh, yeah, we're doing that. Or, I, went, or I went to this meeting in last year, and people it resonates with people. Whereas in the U.S., usually when I talk about that, the first response is skepticism. It's either, you know, that's, that's trivializing politics or um, you're just ma- manipulating people and it's kind of bread and circus show um, or that politics shouldn't be fun and democracy shouldn't be fun, that it's serious business and, you know, what business does fun have um, in democracy? And, and what is your response? Uh, you know, you also have this other hat that you describe as the executive director of an organization. So both in the context of the book, but also your, your professional life, how do you respond to this? How do you respond to the, 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 the thought that, um, you know, that, that all's well and good with, with these, these games that are played, but, but what can really be gained from it? Um, what, how do you respond to those criticisms? Well, I think that if we want to make democracy work, we have to make it fun. And that if we rely on this model of democracy where participation is a chore, where it's a, a necessary evil uh, that people are not going to want to engage in, then it's a really uphill battle to have a meaningful democracy. And we see this all the time where governments ask people to participate, uh, but doesn't do so in an engaging way. And so people either don't come out or they participate and they're disappointed or they participate and then government is disappointed because it's not uh, meaningfully plugging into decision making. And so, so many of the problems with democracy, I think, are because it's poorly designed as a um, boring, often painful and often pointless process for most people. And so if you take the perspective of an average resident, why should they come out to a hearing or a community forum? What impact will it have on their lives? Um, how is that a better way to spend their time than anything else they could do in the evening? And I think we don't have great answers for that right now in governments. Uh, but one of the things that I really want to drive home with this book is that it's not just about kind of throwing a game into a public meeting. That can be useful. And we have experiences in lots of settings with icebreaker games. And I'm sure that most folks who are listening to this have been to some meeting where they've um, engaged in a game to get to know each other at the beginning. And those can be really useful. And some of the programs that I researched used icebreaker games or have inserted games into meetings to make them more engaging. I really think we can take it to the next level and not just sprinkle games in like their MSG and it'll suddenly make everything tasty, but rather redesigning the whole political process and redesigning the whole, especially the whole process of participation. And the, the three things that I found have the most impact, and this is really just building on game design theory and how games are designed, uh, the kind of three core main elements of games. Uh, first, that you have rules. They're clear, they're legitimate, that in a sense limit what you can do, but also enable a lot of creative action. Uh, second, that you have artificial conflicts. So in other words, you have conflict, but it's it's made more artificial by the game structure. So if you think about... Uh, soccer as an example where teams are competing on the field um, and their behavior is obviously limited by rules but they're not as opposed to each other off the field as they are on the field so once they enter that game space that that creates an artificiality to their conflicts 
And then third, having measurable outcomes so that people know what is going to happen as a result of their participation. So either you win, you lose, you get a certain number of points. And so games like soccer are, are very effective at this because they have clear rules that are um, that create this artificial conflict and that have very measurable outcomes. And I think we can apply those same principles to public participation. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think you know a lot of faculty have, have tried this in the classroom, and it's there's always um, sort of mixed mixed success uh, where you see it working with some students, maybe not with others. You see it working in certain parts of the classroom and and not others. Um, What's the biggest success that you've seen? Um, is is there a, a way in which this has uh, worked that is just so dramatic, um, either in increasing participation or having a such a major effect on on the the nature of local politics? Is, is there something that you look to as really the the um, exemplary case? Yeah. So one of the programs that I discuss in my book. It's in Rosario, Argentina. It's a program called Rosario Habitat. It's a um, urban redevelopment program in the shanty towns of the city of Rosario that basically is trying to take the shanty towns, which are these informal settlements with lack of um, basic infrastructure, sewage, streets, electricity, very dangerous areas, and turn them into neighborhoods, into regular neighborhoods with basic uh, public infrastructure. And one of the ways the program does that is by um, installing this infrastructure and, and especially by putting in new streets so that people can access it. So if you want to put in sewage lines and water, you have to have physical access. And so the, the program started out by um, proposing this, this solution that they would install this big, basic infrastructure in the shanty towns. And they organized public meetings and presented the plan and people said, you know, that sounds great. And uh, the residents actually signed off on the plan. They literally signed the piece of paper saying they agreed to this plan. And this is you know, a typical public meeting that I've seen all over the place where the city presents something and people listen and then usually agree or disagree. But it's kind of a one-way communication often. And when the program started to um, move people out to build this infrastructure, the families, they, they wouldn't leave. And they said, no, we're, we're not going. And this wasn't... This isn't what we agreed to. And the program really reinvented itself. And that's the what I look at is how they then incorporated games and game design throughout. So they they redesigned all the workshops. They started out this time with an um, icebreaker game that's using a, a puzzle dynamic to bring people together. They then asked the residents themselves to write the rules, to decide basically who would stay and who would go if you had multiple families that were competing for one spot of land. And so people wrote up different criteria for deciding that. So, for example, if a family had a job nearby or if it was a single parent or if they grew up in that space, they might get priority. And so they walked away from those workshops with a list of rules deciding um, who would stay and who would go, basically. And then they they asked people to actually redesign the blocks using a mapping puzzle that's kind of similar to Tetris, uh, where you have these brightly colored transparency cutouts of different shapes and sizes, rectangles, L's, squares. And those are overlaid on a, a map in the, on a table. And the residents are asked to come and rearrange the pieces to basically develop a new land use plan for the, the shanty town. And this takes place over several workshops over several months. But what I saw is that people weren't able to resolve these conflicts of land ownership in the abstract. Um, but when it was... Um, kind of reinterpreted through these these game mechanics, 
rearranging puzzle pieces, that they were, and they were able to reach decisions on who would own what land. They got um, land tenure. Families who had to move got new housing that was built by the city. And there were then really clear and measurable results where you had new land use plan, you had new homes by certain people, uh, you had all this new infrastructure that was built in the neighborhoods. And so to me, it's an example of a program that started out taking the approach that you know, democracy should be about you know, the city communicating information and the government communicating information and giving a chance for input and then moving forward. And, and it really failed monumentally. And as an example of what we see all across the country where there's failed communication between government and the people. And when they redesigned the program to be more like a game and to use games directly as well, that they actually made democracy work. And they were enabled a group of uh, Shantytown residents who face a lot of challenges in life to decide democratically on the future of their neighborhood. And so to me, that's just an example of how much potential there is if we are able to redesign democracy to be more like a game. Yeah, it's just uh, the number of uh, really interesting um, cases like that in the book and, and the general approach I just found so so interesting. Um, the book is out. Um, you're, I hope, talking about it and, and people are responding to it. Um, I wonder if you can... Um, Talk a little bit about the outreach piece of this. It's, it's something that um, most academics don't uh, do a lot of, but I would suspect is, is a big part of, of your motivation to write the book. Um, have you had the chance to pre- present uh, the book, uh, speak about the book? What's, what's that side of, of the, the publication of this like for you? Yeah, I've been giving several talks and um, you know, doing some other interviews as well. I would love to do more, actually. I have a full-time job as as an executive director, so it's hard carving out time for this. Usually what I've been doing is trying to combine the book promotion with my organizational work. So if I go to a city to speak about participatory budgeting, then I'll also give a book talk there. Um, and that, that's been going pretty well so far. I've had some, some great talks and discussions in uh, various cities across the country. And also, as you mentioned before, you're know, trying to integrate this into my work with the nonprofit organization and into more practitioner discussions. And so I've also spoken at a lot of conferences for practitioners, for people who design public processes, who do community engagement work. And so far, the response has been really invigorating, where people are desperate for better ways to engage people, and they also want to enjoy their work. So that's really it's both of those where folks feel like this is a, a better way of engaging communities and it's an enjoyable way to also spend our time. It's much better to go to a meeting where you're collaboratively engaging with people and having fun than where you're getting chewed out by the public. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting book. Um, the name of Josh's book, again, is Making Democracy Fun, How Game Design Can Empower Citizens and Transform Politics published by MIT Press this year. Josh Larry, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you so much, Heath. It's been great being on the show. 